Welcome to another episode of the Selfishness Project, where we explore the idea of selfishness. Today, I am here with... Alexander. Alexander. All right, so I saw you just sitting here, and you said you were uh, taking a break from... Or I guess you just had a midterm in law, law school. Yep, you just, just finished it about uh, 45 minutes ago. Okay. So... Um, since you're in law school, maybe I'll ask you how that relates, if it does relate at all, to selfishness. Does the issue of selfishness or egoism, um, self-interest, come up in the law at all in any of your studies? It does. We've only touched on it briefly so far, and we'll get into it more when we talk about the profession's ethics later during my education. But we have already talked about how the court does have a requirement that uh, my duty first is to the court system and not to myself. And my second duty is to the client I'm representing, but again, not to myself. Uh, so it, it's certainly not a selfless profession, uh, but there are some rules designed specifically to avoid selfishness within the profession. Hmm, okay. Or at least obligations, intended obligations. So you put the interests of the court and the clients ahead of your own interests? Is that the yes. idea? Okay. I am supposed to be not an agent of the court that's wrong and don't quote me sorry professors if you're watching uh but as a part of the court system i'm supposed to help uphold the integrity of the court system which means uh striving towards justice and proper resolutions of disputes but not towards my own interest as an attorney okay this reminds me of the the medical uh, profession as well, where you're mm -hmm. supposed to do no harm to the patients. I think right. that's one of their slogans. Yeah, that gets a little dicier in law. <laughs> uh, how so? Well, uh, it's an adversarial system. So uh, sometimes it's possible that you are doing harm to someone, maybe under the guise of I'm getting back what my client deserves, but that doesn't mean you're not taking from someone else. Whether rightfully taking, wrongfully taking, there might be a legal answer that's aligned with or different from a moral answer on that, but it's not necessarily true that lawyers do no harm. Right. I guess sometimes the point is to do harm, to put them in jail, to yeah, get them behind. Yeah, uh, oh, yes it is. Um, yeah, the criminal justice system is a whole hot mess of doing harm to people, whether deserved or not. Yeah, so it's... Um, uh, doing harm can be a good thing, I guess, if it's in the service of justice. Maybe. Or, or uh, on that? King Hall has a bit of a bent of uh, trying to steer away from what we would call retributive justice of an eye for an eye of you've done something wrong, so I should punish you for it. Uh, okay. Because our current justice system is set up where when you do something wrong, there are punishments for that. And the general justification is, well, that way people won't do it again, or this is the debt they owe to society. But that debt is usually just more pain and nothing productive. Putting someone in jail for violent offenses or not doesn't uh, improve anybody else's life positively. It may improve it negatively in the sense if you've taken out a source of violence, but it adds nothing to society to lock up a lot of people. And there's plenty of studies that show that once in jail, things usually get worse for those people personally, and they don't they don't get better because of jail. And that's not a personal flaw; it's a system flaw. So it the harm is done in the name of justice, but it might not actually serve justice. 
hmm. doesn't necessarily make anything better. So we do harm. We do harm as lawyers. Yeah, at least for the time being. I guess if there's enough of a movement behind this idea that yeah. it doesn't there, help much, then yeah. maybe. There's some scholars who are working on it uh, and have been for a while of trying to abolish prison systems. And I have a lot more reading and research to do it myself before I can explain or advocate for any of that. But, yeah, people are looking into that and trying to push that. Okay. So I guess then um, the interests of the... Whose interests are being served then? So if... if I'm trying to bring it back to your mm. point about you don't you you put your the interest of the court or uh, the person you're defending ahead of your own interests or the states if you're prosecuting for the state or okay yeah I mean it, it, is that well there's a few questions here one is that a good thing to do and what's the rationale behind that the rationale behind that is that we can have uh, ideally objective justice and objective resolutions where it's not based on I think this, I think this, that's and we can only work with those opinions but we work with something that's impersonal to remove the human error element of it and that also gets into why we follow precedent, why we care about what other judges have ruled before because we don't want to make it so ad hoc, so subjective so I feel this, so this is what it will be we want it to be, well, there is a system, there are rules, and we can take out the human error of, I'm going to decide what you deserve, uh, mm-hmm. and make it more of, well, the community has decided this, these are the standards the community will hold each other to. That's a theory. I don't know if that always plays out well. Uh, in mm-hmm. fact, it frequently does not. Uh, we certainly see examples publicly of courts being used for political purposes, which can seem selfish on behalf of a whole class of people at times, uh, even if it's not a whole class acting all at once. Uh, But the theory is that you have some form of impartiality by me advocating for someone else and not for myself. And that's best for the society as a whole. That's that's the theory, yeah. Okay. Well, in a way, I, I can think of a way to make a case that that's actually a self-interested kind of system like if you want to be part of a system Mm -hmm. that doesn't have personal biases um, uh, running through it if you want to have this objective kind of legal system then it would be in your own interest to do whatever it takes to to make that possible sure yeah yeah. so in a sense it is it is self-interested or selfish one might think Mm -hmm. to put the interest of others or the the interest of the court or your the person you're defending ahead right of your it leads own. to the best possible life for me if overall all things considered that yeah. allows you to live in the best kind of society yeah but it's a selfishness that in theory aligns with everybody else's selfishness so selfishness i don't think has to be inherently bad uh, we view it as a bad thing because it typically comes at the cost of other people of when I want something and it takes it from others, that is a bad selfishness. But what about the selfishness where I want to be happy and I'm going to align that desire with your desire to be happy and we can both be happy together? We've both done it for selfish reasons, but in a Mm -hmm. cooperative way, possibly. Right. So anytime there's a a trade, like you, you go into a store and you buy something, 
it's in your self-interest to get whatever it is that you're buying. That's mm -hmm. why you're there. And it's in the store's self-interest to give it to you in exchange for money. Right. So there's a harmony of interests here. Yeah, there we go. Harmony is the better word. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm interested in, before you brought up the, the phrase eye for an eye, mm -hmm. which made me think of uh, the Old Testament. That's where it's from, I believe. I yep. don't know exactly where. Oh, well, actually, eye for an eye starts with Hammurabi's code, gets incorporated into Eastern religions that eventually become Western religions. Okay. Okay. Um, so it's got a longer history than yeah. just the uh, Old Testament. Definitely. And it looks like, I guess maybe it can't be seen there, but I noticed that you had a yarmulke when I came here. So I guess you are part of that tradition, the, the Jewish yep. tradition, the eye for an eye tradition. Um, so is, is the eye for an eye, is that a self-interested kind of uh, principle? Like if someone does something to you, you get vengeance. Mm -hmm. So I guess from that perspective, it could be seen as a, a self-interested or selfish, selfish kind of principle. It could be, except I don't know how it even serves the self. It certainly satisfies an emotional desire to get vengeance on somebody, but beyond that, what benefit does it confer to harm other people? So this goes back to what you were talking about with the retributive kind of justice. Does it actually do any good? Um, so, I mean, here's... I mean, we, we could get into that a little bit. Like, if, if someone takes... Let's take the literal example. Someone plucks your eye out. Mm -hmm. um, and is there grounds for plucking their eye out or at least doing something in, in retaliation? Or do we just let that go unpunished? Um, well, it certainly goes against our intuitions of, well, they just plucked your eye out. They shouldn't be allowed to do that. And at the same time... I don't see what benefit comes from putting them behind bars. So there's this, I guess the one response is, well, it pre prevents them from plucking the next person's eye out. Sure. <laughs> Except that in jail, they are now a burden on society, not doing much for society. And on the assumption that they aren't going to change, well, then we just have to hold them there. But uh, most people, certainly once they are, once they do something wrong and get punished, for, or even before they get punished, but once they do something wrong and they know that it's wrong, most humans believe they can change. We don't usually believe others can change, but we believe we can improve. So if we just apply that to strangers, well, can't he improve? Is it true that he'll necessarily pluck out someone else's eye? Well, it might be unknown. I mean, right. if, suppose the person has a track record of plucking out people's eyes. He's on his 10th eye. Mm -hmm. uh, in that case, let's say, would uh, would that be a good time to <laughs> take some kind of action against this person? Well, I mean, we should take action after the first eye, but against them is the part that I think has troubled me and troubles a lot of people who want to get rid of prisons is the idea that they become something that we fight against as opposed to something that we want to find harmony with again. If we talk about harmony of interests, uh, selfishness is bad when there isn't harmony. Maybe he really wants some eyeballs. Uh, if we can find a way for that harmony to align, and get for the interests to align again, 
well, then we shouldn't have any problems. I don't know how we align that interest of him wanting eyeballs and me not wanting my eyeball plucked out, but another human in our society shouldn't be an enemy that we are trying to do something against. That's where I think the challenge comes in, is that word against. Mm. So I guess you don't, you don't think uh, punishment has much deterrence value? Is that correct? The data doesn't show it currently. The data... Uh, I'm curious what what data you're referring to. Childhood spanking, criminal justice reform data in general. Uh, we certainly know abusers don't usually change their victims. They just make them terrified for their lives. Uh, punishment on its own generally does not improve human beings. So are you envisioning a a world without any punishments is that would that be not necessarily but certainly something that works Uh, because I mean the term punishment in general isn't going to go away but whatever we do it should work it should if we have a goal of making society better with our actions selfish or not then what we do should work and current criminal punishment does not work it does not make society better so a society that works would be, uh, or could be one that has no punishment? It could be. It could also have punishment very similar to what we see. I wouldn't commit to anything. Okay. Well, you, you, it sounds like you're at least committed to the idea that the current uh, system of punishment doesn't work. Correct. It needlessly strips away years of people's lives exposes them usually to more violence, more abuse at the hands of other prisoners and prison guards. If we look at the Zimbardo experiments, we see that the power trip usually isn't great for prison guards either. Uh, Yes, it currently does not work. It makes individuals worse and doesn't make any individuals better, which on a net gain then makes society worse. Hmm. Okay, so I guess trying to put together the the various things you've said it sounds like you wouldn't necessarily want a society that has no punishments but you think the current system of punishment doesn't work correct Uh, okay and i guess it's it's an open question to your mind as to what the right system of punishment would be correct okay i get how would you go about that, like figuring out what is the right system of punishment? Uh, unfortunately, some trial and error is involved, which isn't fun to say when it deals with human lives. But we can start with steering away from things that cause more harm. Yeah. I mean, a, a lot of research shows that uh, preventative measures are really, really good, such as, you know, increasing funding to public schools in areas where students end up dropping out, not just to the school itself, but after-school programs, extracurriculars, things that give people active pursuits where we can harmonize self-interests as opposed to make things adversarial unnecessarily. When, When people get locked into the situation of, I can only improve if I take from you, well, then we have crime. It's not the only type of crime, but it's certainly a big part of what we think of when we have crime is people harming other humans. If we can find ways to make interests align where people wouldn't want to harm other humans, then uh, 
in theory, we should have less crime. Hmm. Or we don't need to. It's not always a desire. In fact, it's rarely a desire to commit crime. It's more a perceived necessity, but different discussion. I was just wondering about the, the issue of public education and how that relates to the harmony of interests. Uh, mm-hmm. There, it seems like you're... Run in a minute also. Okay, well, yeah. we'll just finish up on this sure. last thing. Um, it seems like with any public kind of uh, uh, program like education, mm-hmm. you're using um, force through taxation mm-hmm. to finance that. So is that coming at the expense of harmony? Like some people are being forced to Possibly. support these... There's always a bit of a tension between personal liberty and community uh, prosperousness. Prosperity, there's the word. Mm. Uh, Because community uh, does require giving up some of your individual liberty. So, yeah, if you're a little too selfish, you're not going to want the goals of a community to work. But there is also the argument that if you are selfish and smart, you really do want a good community. Because there are much, there's much more to be gained from communal action uh, and buildings of society than there are from individual. Myself in one lifetime will not be able to achieve what we have as a society, and that requires me, along with everyone who came before me, giving up some of their personal freedom for a larger group. Okay. All right. Well, I guess I'm gonna give up some of my personal freedom and taking up all of your time. Thank <laughs> well, you. And uh, try to to get a harmony of interests here. Good, good. All right, well, thanks for chatting. Thanks so much. All right.